Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we've been looking at the transformed life, and we're going to look again at another area as we progress along towards the finish of Romans. And today we're going to talk about attitudes. The attitudes that you and I can have as believers. Now, specifically, the attitudes we're going to talk about today are the attitudes that we can have towards each other, that is, towards fellow believers. Because there is a tendency, and I need to point this out, there is a tendency, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time, where you can begin to see yourself as being up here and everybody else being down here. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? There's a tendency where you can begin to see yourselves as, you know, you're spiritually mature and you're right up here and everybody else is down here. And with that, the inevitable happens. We begin to judge ourselves. We begin to judge each other because we begin to look at everybody else from this position where we've placed ourselves and see everybody else down here. And what Paul's going to talk about to us today is, especially in these 12 verses, he's going to deal with the issue of our attitudes towards each other, recognizing that we all have a different walk with God, and that we need to be careful about how we judge each other, because ultimately one day we're going to have to answer to God for it. And that's very prevalent in our churches. You can, whether you realize it or not, you can find yourself looking down on other people. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of times it doesn't even have to do with spiritual things. It could have to do with the way you dress. You know, I've been a Christian now for 22 years now as a believer. And in my progression as a believer, I've seen a lot of different things. I can remember when, when, you know, when I first got saved that the issue was everybody had to have a coat and tie. You had to dress up for Jesus. Now, it doesn't matter how you come. Everybody, dressing isn't an issue. Don't worry about that. That's not what I'm talking about. But we can judge other people based upon the way they dress. In fact, you can take your personal preference for dress and carry it into the church. So, for instance, some of you who are older may not like the way the younger people dress. And in your mind, you equate what you prefer as dress to be the biblical way, even though you don't have a chapter and verse for it, and begin to judge somebody else for that. Or the way they... Another one is, here's a heavy one, music. You know, music is very relative. Can I remind some of you older people that the music you loved, your parents hated? Some of you are smiling, you know what I'm talking about. Now you're hating the stuff your grandkids are listening to or your children are listening to. See, music is relative. Music is relative. And, and forms of music change. And I've not yet heard anybody say we need to get back to the pure music and let's all sing Gregorian chant. You say, what's that? That's the stuff they, the monks sang thousands of years ago. See, we've got to be transformed in our attitudes. Let me remind you of two key verses that we've been talking about. In Romans chapter 12, this is how we began that whole section. He says that you're to present yourselves to God. That is, you're to give yourself to God and say, God, here I am. And then he says, don't be conformed to what? 
the culture, but rather be transformed. That is, you become a new person from the inside out because God's Word takes root in your life. And so we're going to look at another area of that transformation today, and that is to transform our attitudes towards each other. So let's notice what he says. Look with me at verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe the day. He who eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. For he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and give God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And for this end, Christ died and rose again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. We're going to talk about transformed attitudes, and so we're going to look at three different things here today. We're going to look at transformed attitudes towards each other, the attitudes that we need to express towards each other. We're going to look at a guiding principle that will help us in how we are to interact with each other. And then we're going to see the basis for why all of this has to take place. So let's notice, first of all, verses 1 to 4. Notice with me verse 1. He says something here. He says, Receive one who is weak in the faith. Receive one who is weak in the faith. The first thing I want you to notice, if we're going to have a transformed attitude, here's the point I want you to see, is we are to be accepting of each other. We are to be accepting of each other. That's the, can I be honest with you? The number one key point of division in our church isn't who you voted for or who you're not going to vote for or who you like and what party or what party you belong to or any of that. That's not the issue. It's not your attitude on labor, whether you're a pro-union guy or an anti-union guy. It's not your attitude on whether you prefer doe hunting or don't like doe hunting, because I know that can be a big issue sometimes too. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. The number one defining issue for you and I in our church is whether or not we believe in Jesus Christ and whether or not we have accepted Him as our Savior. And so Paul is making a point here. For him, it was an issue of people who couldn't handle eating meat because to them, meat was offered to idols and so somehow they associated eating meat with demons. Whereas others were mature and they said, Oh, meat's meat. God gave us meat. Be thankful for it. And so a dispute would arise between them and they would bicker and they would say, oh, well, you're just immature. You don't know what you're talking about. Paul's coming into this situation and he's saying, look, you guys need to be accepting of each other. You know what? We can have a harmonious time here if the focus of our conversation is Jesus. 
But the moment we enter in all the other things, but if you ever notice, we can get together as a group of men here and have ten different opinions about deer hunting. We can get together and have a hundred different opinions about politics, can't we? And that's not what unifies us. What unifies us is Jesus. And so he's saying to us, whether we're weak in the faith or whether we're strong, we need to, first of all, be accepting of each other. See, that's the number one attitude that you and I have got to change. For those of you who are mature in the faith, you need to quit looking down upon others. In fact, can I be honest with you? You know how you can quit looking down upon others? Remember where you once were. Remember where you once were. And that will change your attitude. Next thing I want you to see is this. We're not to argue over gray areas. We're not to argue over gray areas. You say, what's a gray area, George? A gray area is an area that is not defined in Scripture. There are certain things that we don't need to argue over that the Scripture literally tells us. The Scripture tells us, don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't be drunk. Those are definite things that Scripture tells you not to do. And so there's no discussion over those things. But there are other areas which the Scripture doesn't tell you what to do. There are other areas that are just gray areas that maybe you have some principles to guide you or somebody will say they have a principle to guide you, but they're not necessarily defined in Scripture. And a lot of times it has comes down to the issue of conviction and what the Holy Spirit says to you. Whereas the Holy Spirit may tell somebody else something different for their life. And you really are not to spend your time arguing over those peripheral issues. So, for instance, you might be here and in your mind, everybody needs to dress up. Dress to the hilt for Jesus. And the rest of you are thinking, that's fine for you. But I'm as a come-as-you-are person. Jesus, accept me for who I am. Clothes and all. But then you get the two of you and you discuss the issue and, and you're duking it out over an issue that really is not an issue. See, that's what he's saying. We're not to argue over gray areas. Why is he saying this? Why is he saying to me that I need to be accepting of others and not spend my time arguing over stuff that really is not really worthy to be argued over? Why does he say we need to be accepting of each other? Why does he say that we should not spend our time fighting over issues that are peripheral, that don't really matter? Because he understands that ultimately it affects us. It literally does affect us. So Paul says we've got to change our attitudes in that area. We're not to argue over these gray areas. In fact, he goes on in verse 2 and 3. Notice what he says. For the one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let him who does not eat judge him who eats, for the Lord has received him. The next thing I want you to see is, is we are to tolerate each other. Some of you here like your iced tea with lemon. Now to me, that's like blasphemy. How would you do that? Why would you even do that to those tea leaves, to that sugar, and put that stuff in there? But you know what? Jesus calls me to tolerate you. And so I do. Now you might be thinking, well, I can't believe you don't put in the pure stuff and put in that lemon. And we tolerate you, George. When you bring that big jug of tea to the functions, we tolerate that you don't bring any lemon with it. See, that's the point he's making. When we don't argue about those gray areas and we're accepting of each other, the next thing has to come is that we begin to tolerate each other. So let me just go ahead and say it. So maybe you're here and you're a pro-union guy. And you're talking to somebody who's not a union guy. 
The issue in church is not that you argue over a gray area, whether you should have unions or not have unions. The issue in church is that you tolerate each other. You tolerate each other because you recognize that the greater focus for us here is the worship of Jesus and the salvation that he's given us. Not your preference concerning labor issues. Or not your preference. You might be here. And I'll be honest, we have a lot of Democrats here. We have a lot of Republicans here. Aren't you glad we don't talk? And the reality is, is those are areas that we, what? Need to tolerate each other in. How can we tolerate each other? Because some of you are saying, man, you don't understand the issues. I understand the issues. I would say you don't understand the greater issue. There's a greater issue that we need to understand. And that is, he calls us to be unified in one body, the body of Christ, to worship Jesus. And so we're we're to tolerate each other. And here's the reason why. Look at verse 4. Here's why you and I need to tolerate each other. Why do I need to have that attitude of toleration? Even though I don't like that guy's politics, even though I don't like the fact that he drinks his tea with lemon, or he puts all that other stuff on his cheeseburger and that's not even worth it, why do I tolerate him? Why? Look at what verse 4 says. Who are you to judge another servant to his own master he stands or falls? Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him. Here's the reason why. Each man is accountable to God. You know what? As as pastor, I have to stand before God and give an account of my life. I also have to stand before God and give an account of my teaching, of my ministry. But there's one thing I do not have to give an account for. I do not have to give an account for Brad. I do not have to give an account for Lori or Mike or Caleb. I do not have to give an account for you because you have to give an account for you. And see, the greater thing of my transformed attitude is that as we are here as believers, we recognize that each person is accountable to God for their life. So when... I stand before God. He's not going to say, Hey, George, why did you let Sam grow a mustache? Like, first of all, that's, not, that's a gray area, isn't it? Why are you talking about that, George? Why did you let Brad have a goatee? Don't you know that you're not supposed to have facial hair in church? Some churches teach that, don't they? Aren't you glad we don't? Each man is accountable to God. Recognize it. Each of you has to give an account for himself. So worry about yourself. But can I be honest with you? There's some of us, we just got to know what's going on in other people's lives. We've just got to make it our business to correct everybody else. Isn't, have you noticed that? There are some people that just their business is to correct other people. You know what? Who you're accountable to is you, not anybody else. And isn't that why Jesus said in the Gospels, in the Sermon on the Mount, that why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a huge log sticking out of yours? Each of us is accountable to God. Each of us. Now, he goes on then, he goes on to verses 5 through 8, and he gives us a guiding principle. Because you say, okay, George, I understand the attitudes. I understand that, you know what, I'm to be accepting. I understand that I'm not to argue over these gray areas. I understand that I need to tolerate. I understand that I'm accountable to God. But how do I do that? What's the guiding principle? Notice the guiding principle, verses 5 through 8. He gives it to us here. Each person esteems one day above the other. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes one day observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. 
For he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Here's a couple things. Number one, each man differs in his walk. Each man differs in his walk. Each of you in your walk with God is going to be different from another person. So, for instance, for instance, in my house, we don't watch TV. First of all, we ain't got time. We're too busy. Now, it would be flat out wrong for me to get up here from this pulpit and tell you that you should quit watching TV. Because if I go by the attitude I'm supposed to have, what we talked about in verse 1 to 4, let's not argue over gray areas. Some of you, though, think, or maybe were raised to think, that you shouldn't even on a Sunday read the Sunday comics. You should do nothing. Just go home. Don't even go out to eat. Just stay at home. I'm looking for somebody to not in agreement. Thankfully, nobody is. But there was a time in church when that was what? Some of you remember. Get the Sunday paper, but you can't read the comics. Why get the paper? Why get the paper? And so we, each person differs. Each person esteems the day differently, he says. Why? Because each person's day is different. Each person's walk is different. God will convince you of things that he won't convince me of. Convince me of things that he won't convince you of. See, those are the gray areas. But what we'll do is, have you noticed that most of our judgments of each other are over what? The gray areas. We will reject each other over issues that are not important. And that's what he's saying, is that if, if I'm going to have a guiding principle, we need to recognize, first of all, that each man differs in their walk. The next thing I want you to see as a guiding principle is this, is that we are to live our lives for the Lord. So whether you don't read Sunday comics on Sunday and you save them for Monday, or whether or not you feel that you know you need to do this or that or another, do whatever you do for Jesus and let the other person do what he's doing for Jesus. That's the point. Live your life, even though each of us differ, for the Lord. Live your life. Here's a big issue. I was, I was talking about that this week to somebody. It's Christmas time. You know, always, every December, it's big controversy in the church about Christmas. You know what the big controversy in Christmas church about Christmas is? You're not going to preach about Santa Claus, are you? And some of you will say, yeah, man, tell it like it is. And others will say, don't, don't. And you know what? It's a gray area. It's a gray area. And each man, whether you have Santa in your home or you don't have Santa in your home, do it for Jesus. That's the point. I'll never forget, went to a church. After I married Lori, I was asked to preach in a church, a little Baptist church. Never had been in this church before. And a lady comes up to me and says, okay, you're going to bring the message today. You're not going to talk about Santa today, are you? I said, wasn't planning on it. It's not in the Bible. Why would I mention him? Okay, well, that's good. Because he's going to be doing something with the kids later, and we'd hate for you to be blasting him from the pulpit. Cray area. You understand? Live your life to the Lord. Live your life for the Lord. That's the guiding principle. Now, here's the basis. Here's why we need to have this transform attitude towards each other. Look at verses 9 through 12. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Here's the basis. 
Here's the reason why I'm to be this way towards you. Here's the reason why we're to tolerate each other. Here's the reason why we're to be accepting of each other. Here's the reason why I understand that one day I'm going to be accountable to God. Here's the reason why I recognize that each person differs in their spiritual walk. Here's the reason. Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Christ died for us. You say, now what does that got to do with it? Why does, why does he bring that in here? Because that's the basis for everything. See, the reason why I can accept you, the reason why I can tolerate you, the reason why I don't argue over gray areas is because I know the only reason why I'm here is because of Jesus. Does everybody understand that? The only reason why I'm here is because Jesus saved me. And if Jesus didn't save me, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have any standing with God. I'd be on my way to hell. See, I think sometimes when we begin to judge each other and we begin to hold each other up with these measuring sticks of our personal values and our personal opinions and preferences and everything, and we begin to judge each other by those things, we're forgetting, we're forgetting that we, first of all, didn't he tell us in the first part of Romans that we can't even live up to our own standards? So therefore we're condemned. We're forgetting that God saved us, not because of us, but because of Him. Not because of us and what we did or didn't do, who we are or who we're not, but because of the fact that Jesus died for us, we didn't even ask Him to. Therefore, who am I to judge you with regards to those gray areas of life? Who am I to judge you? See, Christ died for us. That's the basis for it. That's the basis that should be guiding us is that Christ died for us. And so because of that, look at what verse 10 says. Look at what he says in verse 10. Why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus dying for us. Here's what he said. Because of Jesus, we're not to look down on each other. We're not to look down. I'm not to hold you. And notice the word. I mean, he uses a very strong word here, but the fact of the matter is is that it's really true. He uses the word contempt because I've been around Christians enough now and I know that people will hold each other in contempt. They'll, they'll, they'll be downright judgmental and angry at individuals because they'll say, you won't believe who they voted for. What's the matter with them? Are they a Christian? You won't believe their view of labor. And they'll literally hold each other in anger, in contempt. But Paul's saying to us, look, Jesus died for you. And because of Jesus, we're not to look down on each other. Not concerning those issues. We're not to look down on each other. That's the point he's trying to make to you and I. Do you think how different our church would be if we began to not look down on each other because of those issues? You know? Look, because of Jesus, we're not to look down on each other. Why? Here's the reason why. Look at what's going on here. Verse 11 and 12. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will, shall give account of himself to God. Here's the point. We will give an account to Jesus one day. I want you to stop for a moment. I want you to project yourself forward in time to when there is no time. Project yourself forward to a time when maybe you'll die 
or if Jesus comes, He takes us. And I want you to project yourself forward to standing before a holy, awesome God. And your life is flashed before you. And your church life is flashed before you. And then you've got to give an account to God. You've got to answer to Him and explain to Him, well, Lord, yeah, I I guess I did kind of look down on Him because of this issue. And I can almost hear it, well, yeah, it almost seems kind of meaningless now, doesn't it, Lord? Yeah, it really wasn't worth the judgment. See, project yourself forward. See, one day you and I have got to grasp the reality that we are going to stand before Jesus one day and give an account. Boy, if that resonated in our minds every day, do you think that would change how we are towards each other? You know what? There's a lot of Christians today that think, Oh, I'm saved. He's not going to judge me. You know what? That ignores a multitude of scriptures that say, yes, you may be saved, but you still have to answer to God. Especially for the way you were after you were saved. You still have to answer. No, there won't be a judgment for hell. But I'll be honest with you. I remember the times when I had to stand before my dad and he didn't send me to hell. But just the fear of giving an account for myself That was enough, wasn't it? See, God tells us that we need to change our attitudes. Here's what we need to do. A couple things I want you to think about. Number one, do you look down on others? Do you look down on others? Do you look down on others because of their view of politics? Do you look down on others because of their view of labor? Do you look down on others because of their social economical status? Maybe you're middle class and you don't like people who are poor. Maybe you're poor and you don't like people who are rich. Maybe you're Italian and you don't like anybody else. Maybe you're German. You couldn't care less about anybody. Maybe you're Dutch and you're just plain belligerent. I mean, we can go on and on. on. The question is, do you look down on somebody? Do you look down on other Christians? That's the point He wants us to do. See, if you answer that question, yes. And let's be honest, we'd all have to answer that question, yes, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? Because, I mean, I mean, unless you're perfect, and I, I'm pretty sure no one is, each of us looks down on somebody for something, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, you say, how do you know that, George? Because I've been with some people who have been really down and out, and there's always something, somebody beneath them, always. Somebody's in a lot worse shape, and they're looking down on that person, even though I'm thinking, boy, how much lower can you get in your life? We always look down on people. Do you look down on someone? Here, then here's what you need to do. Recognize what Jesus did. Recognize what Jesus did. What do you mean by that, George? Recognize that He went to the cross even though you didn't ask Him to and died for you and saved you, not because of you, not because you were some special person, but because of His grace. Because the fact of the matter is, is all of us really, let's be honest, as far as God was concerned, we were all seen the same way. Sinners deserving of hell. Recognize what He did for you. And so then notice something. Here's the other thing. I recognize what Jesus did. How do I transform my attitudes? Here, here's the other point. Final point. Recognize the coming judgment. Recognize that you're going to have to one day give an account for yourself. That will change your life. And isn't that what we want?
to be transformed. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.